Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Anyway, well, let me just give a good warm greeting for those watching on the internet. I know that there's a bunch of Concordia people out there. I think Micah is awake, I think, and uh, he is supposed to be awake, and um, several other guys, Mike Sinelli, you're supposed to be awake, and his roommate, um, Joel, you're supposed to be awake, and I think Chelsea's supposed to be over there as well. So anyway, if you're not watching, then you're not getting any money this week because I just got a, a note that he needs 350 bucks. And uh, so, too bad. How many have ever had kids that uh, would send you notes from school? You know, Micah does sometimes, and he sent me one one time, and he said, no fun, no mun, your son. And I replied very quickly and said, too bad, so sad, your dad. And uh, so, sometimes we need to do stuff like that. We need to hold the ground, and, you know, Cody's out there in California, and, you know, he posted something about wanting to uh, take a $120 transaction from his account, and it said, no funds available, and Cheryl said, well, get a job. And uh, so, I mean, you know, sometimes you need to tell your kids, just quit sucking off me and just go get yourself a job. And uh, so we're doing that right with, with our kids, and um, because that's what my mom did to me. How many parents, old school, you know, you tell your kids when they graduate from school, whatever, if you need money, then go get a job, you lazy bum. Anyway, so I've really been looking forward to today's message, and... Um, I think that this morning is going to be a very inter interesting one on why I changed my mind. And very uncharacteristically from the last messages, I've had people come up and say, boy, I really like that message you did last time, especially the one with all the C words and, um, you know, how they would all rhyme and kind of come together and all that. And well, this message here today, very uncharacteristically, is not like that, and it's probably nothing like what you have typically heard, but it's going to be a combination of a few thoughts and a few scriptures, and on this journey here this morning, we're going to see if we can kind of tie it all together because there really are no points. I mean, there's one big point, but there's no like one, two, three, four type points, but we want to talk about the mind of Christ. And there's one person that I can, there are several, but there's one right now that I can think of that really has the mind of Christ, and it's my daughter, Destiny. Now, some of you don't know, Destiny is off at uh, Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, being absolutely spoiled rotten in the presence of the Lord. And uh, it's, an, it's an amazing place over there. But this is how you can tell you have the mind of Christ. So we bought her a, a nice bike because we figured that she needed some transportation between, you know, where she lives and the mall that's three blocks away. So, you know, we, we, got, her, we got her a bike. And... Um, so we told her, because there, there's a, a little bit of a reputation in town that, that, you know, people have a tendency of stealing bicycles. And we thought, oh, you're under the glory. Nothing bad is ever going to happen. So we buy her this bike, and we bought her this really cool lock. And, uh, but she has three roommates, and th those three roommates are from, where are they from? They're from overseas somewhere. Um, where is she from? Scotland? Norway, Norway. So they have sleds in Norway. They don't have bikes. And so um, one of the girls asked Destiny if she could borrow the bike. And Destiny, of course, said yes. But the, little, the, the girl from Norway didn't think that people in Bethel would actually, or in Reading would actually steal bikes. And so she let her take the bike, and she didn't put the lock on it. And so uh, she calls us, and she says, uh, my bike got stolen. I said, what are you talking about? It's only been four days. She said, well, my bike got stolen because I let my roommate take it, and, and the roommate decided not to put the lock on the bike. And, and, she's, and that's, this is the mind of Christ. I didn't have this mind of Christ because my mind was go find the dude, right? And, and so she, the, the mind of Christ in her says, you know what? Maybe that person needed it more than I did. And you can owe all you want to. I was like, oh, no. But she definitely had the mind of Christ. How many know that as a believer, it's easy for our minds to stray into natural thinking and that it could erode so subtly that we don't even notice it happening? And little by little, then we can begin to start thinking practically again, leaning on this natural wisdom instead of a kingdom reality. 
And it's really only at that point that we begin to accept the fact that a good brainwashing is good now and then. And then we begin to embrace this process like destiny did, that God really does know what he's doing. And so this morning, you have my total permission to yell at the preacher, amen the preacher, shout at the preacher. You can do everything you want, just please don't walk out. But I want you to have a good time today. So why I changed my mind. Philippians chapter 4 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now, there may be some of you here this morning that you have come in, and maybe you weren't standing firm this week. Maybe you caved in a little bit. Maybe you bowed a little bit. Maybe you buckled under the pressure, whatever the pressure that may have been. But I want to encourage you here today to stand firm in the last thought. Stand firm that wherever God had put you in before, stand firm in that. Hold on that. And he said, stand firm in the challenges of your everyday life. He said, I plead with Yoda and I plead with whatever that lady's name is, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have been contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your goodness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything or in modern day vernacular, freak not, but don't be anxious about anything. How many know if you worry, you'll die? If you, wor- if you don't worry, you'll die. So why worry? That worry is the dark room where negatives are developed. So don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is the really cool because throughout those other scriptures right there, you know, Paul has given these guys some instructions on what to do. But then he says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, think about such things simply means this. Make it a habit of thought. That you want to make it a habit of thought to think about such things because whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen uh, in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I want you to see something here because there's the God of peace and then I think in verse 7, you want to go back? I think in verse 7, it says, the peace of God. So there's the God of peace and the peace of God. And when you kind of invert these scriptures a little bit, it says that I don't just have the peace of God, but I also have the God of peace with me when my mind is set on him. In other words, it might sound something like, I don't just have the peace of God that God gives, but I also have the God that gives peace. So that whatever you are in the midst of your situation and your circumstance, and God says, stand strong. Stand strong in my peace because I am the God of peace. How many really need a peace of God? You need the P-I-E-C-E of God. How many know you need the peace of heaven, the peace of God? And when you have that, then you'll have the peace. The relaxing, freak not, don't worry, give me more peace. Ah, from God, you'll get this tomorrow. But I don't just get all this, I get all the resources, I get all the riches, I get all the revelation, and I get all the righteousness of his very presence. Because how many know that you can't have a courageous life without a concentrated mind? You've got to have the mind of Christ. You have to have the peace of God. That's why he says, let this mind uh, be in you. Whose mind? The mind of Christ. I mean, who would not want to function in just a fraction of the mind of Christ? Because there's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. You can change your address, you can change your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your, you know, your church, you can do whatever you want, but why is it so difficult at times to change our mind? <clears throat> because there's a battle in your mind. That's why Joyce Meyer wrote a book on the battlefield of the mind. That's why somebody said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. 
that if you begin to guard your heart and guard your mind, they both go together. Guard your heart, guard your mind, and you'll have the peace of God. If you're not functioning and working and, and, and walking in the peace of God and having a revelation of the peace of heaven, then obviously something is attacking your brain. That's why you've got to guard your brain. You've got to guard your fortress. And then sometimes we forget that God said that he would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You see, perfect peace means divine health, prosperity, wellness of being, soundness of mind. Stayed or fixed means braced, lodged, and not to worry. And sometimes we get to this place in our lives where we, look, where we say, hey, God will keep in perfect health, prosperity, wellness of being those who are braced, lodged in, not worrying, and fixed on him. When these things begin to take place, there's nothing else to worry about anymore. But if we keep looking at the situation, then we start having more trust in the situation than God himself. Would you not agree? If we look at the problem long enough, we're gonna, it alone will gain our trust. And pretty soon we, we begin praying out of fear. And eventually we quit praying and start looking for sympathy because we've trusted that other voice and it won the actions of our heart. Oh yeah, you'll get this later on. God will keep in perfect health prosperity, wellness, and being those who are braced, lodged, not worrying, and fixed on him. So how do we get our minds set on spiritual things rather than trusting what's happening in the natural? Well, we meditate on the word. And Gord brought it up so good today when you start talking about, you know, remembering and, re, um, and uh, yeah, you talk about remember. You know, we remember what God did. How many realize sometimes, you know, in order to get through what the present, we have to remember what God already did? We got to remember the, what, what he did and what he said about you, not, not, not you focusing on what other people say about you or, or you focusing on what the enemy says about you. I've always remembered, you know, I think it was Carmen or somebody years ago when he said that, you know, whenever the devil starts reminding you of your past, then you remind him of his future. Come on. Re means to go back. View means to see. So we, we go back over God's promises until we can see them. And we remember the word. And, and whatever that word is, that's the thought that you hold on to. Everybody say, hold that thought. So you want to hold that thought. You want to remember and meditate on that word and, and remember always, you know, what is true. Habakkuk 2.2 says that write down the vision and make it plain on tablets that, that you may run and read it. And so that's the second thing is not only to remember, but you wanted to record it. And I can remember quite often, you know, the different prophecies and, and you know, that people would have given over Cheryl and I. And, and I was out somewhere when, when um, uh, what's his name? Sean came by and he said, you know, where's Bobby? I have a word. And, and Cheryl, re Cheryl recorded the word so that I could remember because I've been using gel in my hair and my mind's been slipping and I seem to forget things every once in a while. But I had to not just record it, but I had to review it because the written word or the written record is only useful when I review it. And I have to go back over God's promises until I can see that. And sometimes I need to revisit those prophetic words. And, and she would quite often, when, when I, you know, when I, I know you don't think I get down in the dumps. I mean, I, sometimes I have a timeshare there. But, you know, sometimes I get a little bit down in the dumps. And then she'll bring up back all these prophetic words. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. How many have ever had a prophetic word? And you're like, you know, there's times you want to hear it. And other times you're like, meh. You know, you really don't want to hear all that. But for me... I need to hear those times. I need to sometimes go back in my past to embrace my future because I know I'm not just here in the middle doing what I'm doing now, that there's something even more glorious. Why? Because I live from glory to glory to glory. I don't go back to glory to glory to glory. So it's not simply, it's not, Bill Johnson says this, he said, it's not simply positive thinking or using my imagination to trick myself into believing some alternative reality. It's meditating on what God had said until I can see it and run with it. And so not only do I remember it, and not only do I record it, and not only do I review it, but I am also reminded of the promises day by day. And so if you want four points, there they are. But these four points are going to be intertwined in the fabric of this message here today so you, you can remember, record, review, and remind yourself of what God has already did to help you get through the junk that you're going through maybe this week or today or possibly maybe even tomorrow. 
I will say this today, that the gift of repentance is a changed mind. The gift of repentance is a changed mind as I have been presented with a new revelation of who I am in the eyes of Christ. How many realize that what people see of you um, can be a whole lot better? Let's just put it that way. That you may be the closest thing to Jesus that anybody in this neighborhood or this city will ever see. Think about that one. That's kind of weird to wake up to. You know, you look in the mirror like, that's not what Jesus looks like. But I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the Christ-like characteristic, you know, how we act, how we respond. What do we do? What do we say? You know, how, how do you react when, how many have ever had people come up to you and say, well, Christians shouldn't act that way? And it's really, it's really weird because the people who are not living the life typically sometimes know how to live the life better than those who do. Guess it'd be a little weird. Sean Bolt said, <clears throat> Revelation makes the genius of God revealed to the earth and answers the deepest questions of the heart. That the revelation of a transformed mind are the results of repentance. Why? Because the mind of Christ is in you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you have been presented with a new and preferred idea. So you've got to embrace a revelation of the word to come to a new mindset. I mean, think about this. There's 778 million people across the world who believe in this Pentecostal charismatic type teaching. I mean, what would happen if they all agreed to have a mind swap? What would happen if they all kind of had the, the thoughts of Christ? I mean, what would happen if their actions were because of an apostolic activation? I mean, what would happen? How, how many would agree that God is willing to make an equal trade? Your mind for his. I quite often wonder what would happen if we really started functioning in the mind of Christ or with the mind of Christ. Just a thought. Romans 8, 29 says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Hmm, I believe that. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of a son. And the son, the son stands first in the line of humanity that he restored, and we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. That when people saw Jesus, they immediately knew what God was like. Why? Because he was so countercultural to the climate of the day. Even when I've been over at CCH and you know, with the, with the football guys, and I would, I'd make some kind of crazy comment. How many of sometimes you just say stuff? You know, you, you'd make some crazy comment, and then people would say, oh, Pastor Bobby, you shouldn't be saying that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> you know, because we always compare ourselves to somebody else, or they compare themselves to us. And we have to go beyond comparing ourselves to what other people think and what other people say, and just really begin to focus on what God says about us, and what, what are his thoughts? What are the thoughts of heaven? When heaven really does invade earth, I mean, what would that really, really look like? Sometimes we think, oh, well, that might be a little hyper-spiritual. It might be a little bit super-spiritual. Can I really even live that way? I kind of think that's what God had in mind anyway. I don't know, just a thought. That when people saw Jesus, they immediately knew what God was like in this countercultural uh, um, change. That he would look at the unchurched and he would look at the ungodly and he would say something like, my father is building something great in heaven for you. Not do this and get this right and cross the T's and dot the I's and, you know, you can change your heart and change your light and, you know, shave and do all this and then God's going to have something for you. He said, you know, regardless of wherever you're, wherever you're at, God's got something really cool for you. I mean, think about that. Think about the love of the Father, what that really looks like. When you have the mind of Christ, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Mike Warnke said one time, if you spend your time doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts. I don't know, just a thought. But we're living in a day when our minds must be transformed. They've got to be renewed. They've got to be refashioned. They have to be remolded from that earthly, natural, and reasonable thinking. Those thoughts that halts and holds back faith, that hinders the holy and prevents the supernatural from becoming a reality in our daily lives. And we embrace repentance, but most Christians have repented enough to get forgiven, but not enough to open up their own blinded eyes of ex expectation. 
that there's a whole lot more to than just walking an aisle. There's a whole lot more than just, I'm sorry, forgive me. The Holy Ghost, the baptism, I mean, those are awesome. But these are just the fringe things. These are just, the, these are just like, welcome to the city. <laughs> How many of you, know, you know, you're welcome to the city. Oh, I'm in London. No, no, you just seen the sign welcome, but you really haven't been in London. You haven't met the people of London. You haven't met the culture. All you've done is seen a sign. That's why all these fringe things are signs of the things to come. That there's more to it than what we can ever just imagine. And with the mind of Christ, we can expect to expect the unexpected. Why? Because a heavenly mind is not fueled by earthly doubts. Okay. Romans 7.25 says, it is with the mind of Christ that we serve the Lord. Jack Taylor says, if your encounters with God don't leave you with more questions than you started, then you have had an inferior encounter. Why? Lack of transformation. The normal, listen to this, the normal Christian life is perfectly poised between what we presently understand and the unfolding revelation that comes from that realm of mystery. What's next? What is really there? Romans 12, 2 says this, is this classic scripture we all know that says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Micah, are you still awake? Go brush your teeth. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will, condition. If you want to know what God's perfect, pleasing will is, then renew your mind. Get his thoughts, and you'll know what we should act like here. Think about it. Maybe you've, maybe, 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 like the claps, that's good. Maybe you found yourself discontent with your own life as you have come in here today. Maybe you have had feelings of doubt and despair or feelings of inadequacy or maybe feelings of measuring up or not measuring up to other people's expectations. Maybe you're walking in today thinking, man, there's got to be more to this. Why am I not walking in more victory? Why am I going through all these trials? Why, why is all this stuff happening? You know, why me? Well, today, hopefully, on this little journey, we're going to answer some of those questions. And I'm going to try um, to give you some good biblical concepts and why we need a change of mind in this message entitled, Why I Changed My Mind. Now, Henry Bergson says, I think we have that guy up there. Yeah, here he is. To exist is to change. To change is to mature. To mature is to go on creating oneself en endlessly. That we are constantly, perpetually um, walking in change. How many of you know, we, we find this on New Year's Eve all the time. You know, we, we, ha we have a diet. How many are on a diet? How many think about being on a diet? You, how many watch people on diets? You know, how many have failed diets? You know, I like to work out myself once or twice every five years, <clears throat> whether it's good for me. I mean, I've lost almost, I lost 15 pounds. I can get in this shirt finally. So that's good. I'm not paying taxes in two provinces now, so that's good. But, you know, I'm, I'm, in, this, I'm in this change, and I, I've kind of got this, you know, low-carb thing, which is really horrible, but nonetheless, because I can't do much of the stuff that I enjoy. George Bernard Shaw says, progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds can't change anything. This guy says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That there's some things, if you want to exchange your mind for God's, that's acceptable. But how many know sometimes you need to walk in who you are and not be intimidated by what you're not? I can't, I can't be a geologist. I don't know nothing about rocks. I have them in my head, but I don't know nothing about rocks. I've had people tell me recently, I should try real estate. I'm like, what? And then I called Glenn and Ingrid, and that changed. 
That took about five minutes. I'm, nope. People say I should try all sorts of things, but I'll tell you right here now, because we have the call of God on our lives and ministry is really what we live and breathe for, everything else is secondary compared to the call. It really is. When you've been branded, when you have, when you have man, when you have the, the arrow of heaven piercing your earthly heart, how I many know there is nothing else that, can, that really compares? If you've been branded that way, if you've been called that way, it doesn't mean that everybody's called to ministry, but everybody has a ministry. Follow me, yes. Okay. Somebody said one time, some minds are like concrete, all mixed up and permanently set. <laughs> that gets to be a little weird sometimes. But the devil wants to make you think that you are less than what you really are and to make you feel like you are helpless and worthless and in the way. How many have ever felt sometimes like you're in the way? We don't serve the Lord based upon our acts of servanthood or things that we can do. Not even with our physical hearts, but with our mind, with our mind, which is our conscience and our thoughts and our imaginations. And the only way to consistently do the works of the kingdom is to view reality from God's perspective. Because that's what the Bible means when it talks about having uh, a renewed mind and serving the Lord from the mind of Christ. So I want to address a couple things here, do a couple little word studies before I get back and try to bring this plane down to a landing. The definition of a transformation, the Greek word is metamorpho. It means to change into another form. And that's where we get the story in Matthew, the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, and his face shined like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Transformed uh, is to be transfigured before men. And that word transfigured is to be transformed into something more beautiful and more elevated. So what does that happen to Christians in their service to God? Well, Romans 12, 2 says they are to be changed into a different form. That's why we keep going back to, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's not the same. He's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become what? The same? No, they become new. So that's why the, the, the idea of being commanded by Paul is this, that Christians are to undergo a complete change which under the power of God will find expression in character and conduct. Oh, yeah, okay. Understand that transformation is something that we allow to be done to us, not something we do by our own power because we are changed, being changed, ultimately totally changed, and we become a new creation. So the goal is to have a transformed mind, to have the mind of Christ, and to become more Christ-like in everything that we do. And the only alternative to that is to be, uh, the only alternative to being transformed is to being uh, conformed to this world and this pattern of living. And that, world, that word conformed means transition, changeable, and unstable. Unstable. It implies nothing less than a cheap imitation or copy if we are transformed like to this world. But how many know if we are accept Christ into our life, then we live here, but we're not of here? Does that make a little bit of sense? <clears throat> Maybe. Maybe not. If not transformed, we will be conformed to this world and its inhabitants, and we will begin to reflect or to mirror what happens here as opposed to what happens there here. Hmm. Renewing our mind is made possible where we, where we set our minds. Setting our minds on things above, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, feeding, on the, on the, uh, feeding our minds on, on the Word of God. Renewing our mind is possible when we experience this transformation. Colin Wilson said, the mind has exactly the same power as the hands, not merely to grasp the world, but to change it. How many realize that there's been a lot of really cool things that have changed in this world by the minds of people? How many know, even though there may be people who may not be living for God, that God is the author of all ideas, all good ideas? I have realized this, that not every... Um, good idea is a God idea. How many have ever tried to do things and you're like, oops, that didn't work? I've done that multiple times. But my philosophy may be a little bit, uh, life is maybe a little bit different than most because my thought process is this, that I would much rather do something wrong for God by doing something than something right for the enemy by sitting back and doing nothing. So I'd much rather roll the dice and take a risk 
and go out and do it, even though it may not have the right steps, because that's not how my mind thinks. There are some people that have, they want to have all the steps and all the plans and all the purposes before they act. I typically act and work it out along the way, which can work for me sometimes, and other times it's just a kiss of death. Romans 8 says, now the mind of Christ, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, now the, I'm sorry, the mind of the flesh is death. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul and peace. Because of the mind, because of the mind of the flesh, with its carnal thoughts and purposes, which are all hostile to God, for they do not submit themselves to God's law. Indeed, it can't. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to its appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or will even be acceptable to him. Everything that we feed here through our carnal flesh, can't be accepted there. It's almost like giving a big fat pizza and a whole bunch of donuts to somebody who's on a low-carb diet. I mean, it just, you just can't do it. You, sometimes you may want to. And there's times where I've gone to share, I said, man, <clears throat> it's game day, which for me is every hour. It's game day. If somebody's playing that I don't particularly like, then I'll turn the channel and just find somebody just to, it's game day. And if it's game day, it's pizza day. <laughs> I'm torn today. The Atlanta Falcons and the Buffalo Bills, they're both my favorite teams in the AFC and NFC. And I'm like, pizza day. And I know my conscience who lives here on earth from heaven is this. And she'll say, you're not getting a pizza today. And I have to go to my flesh and put it under submission to the spirit of Cheryl. <laughs> it's true. My old way of thinking keeps me in mental bondage. It keeps me, in keeps me depressed, oppressed, and suppressed. Always looking over my shoulder. If we don't guard the fortress of our mind, then we are opening ourselves up for invasion. And you start thinking thoughts that you would never have entertained. And those, those, listen, those cracks soon become canyons if we don't learn to bind them up. Now, let me just say, I'm, how old am I? Six or seven. 56. So, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, and it's on its way out. So, I'm, I'm 56. I have lived through six end-of-the-world prophecies. Saturday was one of them. Remember that one? When the moon is in the seventh house, all the planets are lined up, and whatever her name is, the whatever the, the star lady, you know, up in the skies, you know, her, the, the feet are coming on the moon, and you know, all the and I and I I, I watched the video, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we're not even going to be able to get through the football game. I mean, there are some things that take precedence, right? So I was like, wow, we're not even going to get through the game, and I'm thinking, oh my God, and then before I knew it, the game was over, and I'm like. We're still here. So it really didn't matter if the planets were lined up. It didn't matter that this imaginary planet was going to come hit the earth because I figured if it was going to come hit the earth, CNN would have been all over that. Another catastrophic, you know. Second Thessalonians says, listen to this. Be not shaken in your mind <clears throat> or be troubled neither by spirit, word, or letter. Don't be shaken. The word soon in the Greek means um, quickly, suddenly, or hastily. Shaken in the Greek, which means uh, to, uh, to shake, waver, totter, or, or, or be moved. In other words, he says, don't be shocked or alarmed in your mind. Remember I said the devil's going to attack your mind. Don't be shocked in your mind. The word mind describes everything in the realm of the intellect, including one's will, emotions, ability to think, reason, and to decide. Listen to me very carefully that whoever or whatever controls a person's mind ultimately has the power to dictate the affairs and the outcome of that person's life. If I were to continually allow my mind to captivate what I saw in my video, then I'd be in, a, in an institution by now. And we all would be if we think in the mind of the flesh. Paul adds this word, troubled, which says it indicates an inward fright that results from nerve-wracking events so severe that it causes a person to be devoured in worry, anxiety, and fear. And one scholar actually translates the word trouble of, of, of being jumpy or nervous. 
How many have ever, don't raise your hand, but how many have ever had that thought process? You've been jumpy, you've been nervous, you've been freaking out, you've been panicking because of something that's been said on, you know, constant negative news, CNN, or, you know, whatever the case may be, or maybe by your, your Jesus friends. Did you hear? So, with all of these studies, with all these word studies, maybe the scripture could sound like, sound like this. Some things will be happening right before his coming that could shake you up quite a bit. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic that they can leave your head spinning. Occurrences of such serious nature that many people will end up feeling alarmed. Lions, tigers, oh my. Panicked, intimidated, and even unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could drive you over the brink of emotionally putting your nerves on the edge and making you feel apprehensive and unsecure about life. This is not the mind of Christ. This is not peace. This is panic. But how many of us are functioning in a position of panic rather than functioning in a position of peace? We have the ability to function in faith or function in fear. Fear is having more faith in Satan's ability to deceive you and trick you than God's ability to bless you and keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. It's true. Without the peace of God in your mind, people think themselves into a nervous breakdown, depression, and defeatism. Don't waste any more of your time wrestling with other people's minds because your destiny is not predicated on the decision of somebody else's. You're not what other people think about you. You are what you know you are through Christ Jesus. And it's not good enough anymore just to have nice thoughts. Oh, that's nice. Because our way of thinking has changed because we think from a different reality, from, he from heaven to earth. A transformed mind, I said earlier, a transformed mind will have a piece of heaven in it. A piece of heaven in it. And if you have a piece of heaven in it, then you'll also have the P-E-A-C-E -E as well. How many know I can save you a lot of trips to the, to the doctor? If you just start functioning in the peace of God, in other words, just chill, just relax. When I'm in the office and sometimes I don't have the peace of God or a peace of heaven, I got to get on my bike. It's only an hour. It's only 40 kilometers. And I just get the heck out of Dodge. I take a mini vacation. Some of you need to take a mini vacation. You may not be able to afford a cruise, but get on a mini vacation. I listened to what's-his-face, Chris, what time? <gasps> Lions, tigers, and bears. Well, forget that thought. I just better get going. How can I finish this? <laughs> Bow with me and close your head. Let's see if we can try to do this. Transform mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. I'll try to get this done. I got two pages. Can I have two pages, please? Okay. Philippians chapter 4, 8, 9, and the peace of God that trans all your understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, I mean, you know, for me, finally means nothing, but finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. And Paul gives us a list. He gives us a catalog. For you young people, a catalog is something that was made from paper, from trees, you know, that we used a long time ago. It's a book, you know. So he gives us this catalog. He gives us this list of things that we can focus on. But if you focus on the wrong things, you can fall from faith. Watch me very carefully. Don't send me a letter. I'm not saying you fall from grace or you get an eviction notice from heaven. I'm saying that your faith grows faint. That you see faith and fear is still fueled by focus, no matter how you look at it. That whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That faith is the byproduct of correct focus. And you don't need to ask God for more faith, because while we're asking God to increase our faith, God is asking you to correct your focus. 
When you got you got to focus on that. If you're not focusing on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, lions, tigers, and bears, praiseworthy, then you need to ask yourself why. Paul is giving us a whole bunch of examples of what we can focus on all day, and he says, think on these unlimited things. You can think about this stuff all day long, but if you're not thinking about all that stuff, and maybe there's some ugly stuff that are coming in. Then you need to embrace 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, where it says, we demolish arguments. Anything, arguments are anything that contradicts what God says. There is a battle, how many would be honest and say there's a battlefield in my, in my mind at least once a week? <clears throat> we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Pretension, here it is, is the unpleasant quality of a person who thinks of themselves as more impressive, successful, or important than they really are. A desire to do something or claim to be something that is impressive or important. So God says, we demolish arguments and anybody that sets itself bigger than me. We demolish those things. We, we hold them in captivity. So what is holding you back from having that sanctified and glorified mind? Why have I not changed my mind? Why do I still have that stinking thinking? Well, we have to go back to, you know, what's his name? Paul in Philippians. He said, think about, you know, that category. Think about the catalog there. It's never the things that hold you back. It's always, it's always how you think about the things that hold you back that you need to execute the excuses and quit the blame game and stop stop this, well, my parents made me, or I lived on the other side of the tracks, or we lived on welfare. Stop that nonsense. Start, start having the mind of Christ. And most of us never stop to think what we're thinking about because some of us need to stop thinking and start living. Start living the mind of Christ and you won't be held captive. And whenever those thoughts come, he says, hold those thoughts captive. When you hear something uh, or, or see something that's good, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Whatever God says that's pure, whatever he says that's right, whatever he says that's lovely, hold that thought. Whatever he says that's admirable or excellent or praise, hold that thought. You think I'm sound talking about Cheryl. Pure, lovely, admirable. I'll hold that thought. Mm. Kids are gone. I'll hold that thought too. The opposite of success, almost done. The opposite of success is not failure. It's unfaithfulness. If you're faithful to God, then even your failure will work. Think about it. The only time that you become a failure is when you fall, you refuse to get up and try again. But it's even out of those miserable failures that success is still made possible. If you're functioning in the mind of Christ and not feeling sorry for yourself. I never felt sorry. I felt sorry for myself. <sighs> that doesn't help. Somebody asked me one day, how you doing? I said, good. How you doing? Oh, no complaints. Nobody will listen anyway. How many have ever tried to let those bad thoughts go only to find out like they're a boomerang? <laughs> how many ever, when you're praying, and you're, and you're praying, and you're trying to be holy, and you have a weird thought? I'm not saying crazy. Oh, you can have maybe all kinds of thoughts. And you say, I don't want that thought. And it just like, it brings back its seven brothers, the seven brother thoughts. And you're like, wow, what's up with that? And then you have to hold that thought captive. You have to learn to uh, interrogate your imagination sometimes. Where'd that thought come from? I've seen 24. I like all those. The interrogation, you know. Where'd that thought come from? Well, it's not pure, lovely, holy. You know where it came from. And you need to hold that thought captive. You need a, a TSA in your brain. <laughs> Have all your thoughts go through the detector and see what's underneath. Because you can't put anyone in jail without a badge because you don't really have the authority. Sometimes you try to, you know, put those thoughts in captivity, but you're not functioning in your authority. You're not going to the Word to remember, to review, to recall, to refresh what God said about you, and you're just trying to do it because of some little course you took. But all you really knew, need to do is function in the authority that God says 
I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, all things become new. I have the authority. I'm going to walk in the authority. I'm going to function in the authority, and I'm going to use the authority. That your mind is not supposed to lead you around like a puppy dog. You're supposed to take control of it. Ah, I know, I see it. You can use your greatest fear to show you where your future is if you hold that thought and embrace what God says about you and evict every other thing. Let me bring up, I need a married couple. You two look cute. Are you guys married? Come here. I'm done. I promise, I'm done. Oh, I'm glad I don't do this every week. I might get actually better if I got it done every week. Okay, so you, you're going you're gonna to represent, uh, no, represent Philippians 4.8, okay? So you're everything true, noble, right, pure. Remember I said embrace? Go embrace... Go embrace pure, lovely. That's how you embrace in your country? <clears throat> I don't think so. Now, this is a PG movie. So, so you can hold her is what I'm trying to tell you. Hold, hold the woman. Okay, so she's pure. This is PG. Don't get carried away. Okay, so pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Now I need somebody. Oh, you're perfect. Come on, Okay, so you stand here. You're going to be 2 Corinthians 10. You're going to be arguments, pretensions, everything that holds itself up against the will of God. You said I'm perfect. <clears throat> you're perfect for the role. So you're, you're set, you're, your arguments, and you're going to try to, you want to try to pull him away. Try to. Oh, I can pull him away. No, I mean, try, you want to try to pull him away from purity and lovely and admirable. Go ahead and. You know, try. That's the best you can do. Because I know the devil works a little bit harder than that. Come on now. Right? So my, my, my point is this. The devil's going to do everything he can to try to pull you away from pure and lovely and admirable and, and excellence and all this kind of stuff. But if your mind is stayed on Christ, it don't matter. Embrace her with a good right about now. Because it doesn't matter what he does. I try, now don't yank his arm off. But it doesn't matter what he does to try to pull him away. If his mind is on Christ, he's not thinking about this anymore. All he's thinking about is God. Okay, you guys can sit down. So, whatever. Okay, that means we're done. So, why did I change my mind? Whatever you've learned, whatever you receive, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen in me, put it in the practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And you'll have the mind of Christ. Why did I change my mind? Just seemed to be the right thing to do. Because I had way too many times where I'd function in the flesh. But this looked a whole lot better than this. I mean, at least over here they were happy, or at least looked like they were happy. He looked like he was happy. How many, when you have the mind of Christ and you're embracing everything that is good, it doesn't matter what this does. He can try all he wants to. But how many realize the greatest strength that he has is if you take your focus off the Father. Let me end with this. Faith for the future. Everybody say this with me. Faith for the future is found when you focus on the face of the Father. Whoop, whoop. Faith for the future is found when you focus on the face of the Father. Let's all stand. Come on. Oh, my gosh. They said get done at 1230. So I'm done. Goodbye. <clears throat> Ministry team, if you want to come up, please. Father, I thank you so much for this word. I didn't think I'd get through it, but I got through it. Thank you, Lord, for the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for transformation. Thank you for transfiguration, that we've been transformed, we've been transfigured. God, that we don't want to bear any resemblance of what we used to do. We don't want to bear, bear, bear any resemblance of what we used to think. 
I pray, Father, that today, even now, that the mind of Christ would just begin to envelop everyone in this sanctuary here today. Whether they believe you or not is irrelevant. Because you're about to change people's minds. Counterculturally, you're changing the climate. People are realizing that, wow, I don't have to do X, Y, Z to receive this, this, this. That God loves me regardless. And as we embrace that God loves me regardless, then he allows, he, he starts that change process. He starts that transformation. He convicts us of things that we used to do and, and used to think about and used to function in and, and all this kind of stuff. But we say, God, transform my mind, transform my heart, transform my life. If you're here this morning and say, hey, I really need some prayer. I really need a good brainwashing today. I really need my brain washed. I need my thoughts cleansed. Why don't you just hold up your hand and say, Lord Jesus, cleanse my brain, cleanse my thoughts. Cleanse my brain, cleanse my thoughts. And I encourage you today in Jesus' name, hold that thought. Hold that thought. God says, it's now pure, it's now lovely, it's now excellent. Hold that thought. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ Jesus. Guess what? This is the perfect day for you. You've not come by mistake. You've not come because there's nothing else to do. I'm going to realize coming to, there really isn't anything else better to do than to be here today. Now at 1 o'clock, you can watch Atlanta and Buffalo. But right now, this is the best time. If you've never given your life to Christ, we have some great prayer folks up here, a great prayer team. Wayne and I are together today on a prayer team. Maybe you want to take a little trip up to some of us and say, hey, I've never given my life to Christ, but something about what that wacky preacher talked about today made a little bit of sense that I realized today is my day of salvation. Anybody else that has anything that you want us to particularly pray about, we're going to invite you to come and, and share that with our prayer team, knowing that it's all confidentiality is, is of, of the most and of the most important here today. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here. I bless them today. God, let them walk out today with the mind of Christ, thinking on godly things, heavenly things, things that are pure, noble, uh, right, and lovely. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. If you